The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, working for another week to give you the information and inspiration you need to start or grow your own real estate investing business. Boy, that just sounded like this was my last week on the air. No. One more week, just working for another week. No. I didn't mean didn't mean to come off that way. I just, you know, I try to not say exactly the same thing every time and that time was just, you know, wah wah. So, uh got a quick announcement and then we're going to get to something that more real estate investors need to know about than do, which is we're going to talk about the Telephone Consumer Protection Act. Ooh, that sounds exciting. Let's talk about a federal regulation. Now, let's talk about a federal regulation that half the folks out there who are cold calling are breaking that would, you know, potentially cost you seriously like a million dollars in fines, which I don't think you feel like you can afford listeners. But before we get to that uh, quickly, tomorrow night is the Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati's annual real estate expo, which means 28 vendors with products and services for real estate investors, ranging from investor-friendly lenders to insurance companies to IRA custodians to material suppliers, CPAs, all those folks that one needs to build one's team all in the same place on the same night, and you're going to love the price. It's free. Members and guests, whoever, if you're in the Cincinnati area, come by, meet some folks, network, win some door prizes. It's going to be a $1,500 door prize at the end, as well as door prizes throughout the evening. And you'll get to meet some of the most excited and supportive real estate investors in the tri-state area. We would love it if you would pre-register, though, because we're buying food and you know, when you have 50 people show up who you weren't expecting, there's not enough food. So the place to do that is CincinnatiRia.com. That's C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-R-E-I-A.com. Just, you know, click the button. It'll ask for your name and email so it can send you a confirmation and you'll be in. And, oh, I forgot to mention, there's also some little mini workshops going on during the evening. One on... Let's see, what are the mini workshops? There's one on 10 tax saving tips you probably don't know about. There's one on how to uh, use your network to get every single solitary thing you need, leads, deals, money, support, help, mentoring, all of that sort of stuff. Um, and I'm spacing on the other two, but I'll look it up and come back later. It's on CincinnatiRia.com. Just, just, just go there. It'll be awesome. 
So TCPA, um, important, important law that weirdly not very many real estate investors seem to understand very well and are breaking it kind of on a daily basis, many of you. And to help me discuss this is somebody who's actually done the research on it, which is uh, Damon Remy, who is the founder and CEO of REI Black Book, been a guest here a number of times, but when I found out he had actually bothered to research the details of this as it relates to our industry, I said, gosh, Damon, real life, real estate listeners need to hear this. So let's do it. And he's joining us today from his home near St. Louis. Damon, welcome to real life, real estate. Hey, Vina, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Excited to, uh, chat about federal regulations. I'm I know. Sure people are jumping out of their seats it's right so now. It's so exciting to chat about federal regulations and not not the one that everybody's thinking about today, which of course is, right. you know, our, our president who I believe took an oath of office that involved upholding and protecting the Constitution of the United States of America, flying right in the face of the Supreme Court who said CDC doesn't have the power to do eviction bans and his comment was apparently yeah we know that it probably won't hold up but um it'll take the court a while to act so we can make this work through november 3rd is it i don't know supreme court kind of translates the constitution was my understanding in civics class they said no he said he would uphold the constitution and here we are with an extended eviction ban but that's not what we're here to talk about today Talk about it. We're here to talk about the very exciting Telephone Consumer Protection Act, and I, I want to start with, like, how how come you know so much about this? You don't cold call people, so how is it that you no, no. know about this? Well, at, at the end of the day, I, I really kind of take it. It's, it's essentially my job to know. As a software service provider that provides text messaging services and business phone systems to my customers then really I have an obligation to kind of educate and protect not only myself but our clients. Uh, so we've paid attorneys and experts to keep my, both my company as well as my customers protected. You know, I, I'd almost compare it to like being a gun manufacturer that just focuses on respons- responsible gun ownership, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we send millions of text messages, you know, millions of call- uh, calls are being made through our phone system. And I want to make sure that our, our customers are doing it correctly, Mm-hmm. And so that they're protected. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that rolls uphill as well. So I want to make sure that, that my company is protected as well. So we've, we've spent a lot of time, um, a lot of time researching and, and diving into this topic, uh, really deep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just from a, we're going to, we're going to dig into like what it says. And then we're going to get a bunch of questions from people saying, well, could I do this? Could I do that? And that's fine. We're looking, we're looking for those questions because we're looking to keep folks from accidentally violating the law. But just from a, like a 20,000 foot view, wh- what is it about TCPA that makes it so important that our industry understands it? Yeah, so I think, I think at the end of the day, there's a few terms that are just kind of be, being tossed around. And I think TCPA kind of, kind of grew, uh, gained a little bit of traction, but really it's, there's multiple laws, uh, regarding the Telephone Consumer Protection Act dating all the way back to 1991. The do not call, the do not contact list, you know, the federal registry. Uh, but really most importantly is the Traced Act, right? So that actually was really signed into law just recently, and, and we're really starting to see the results of that. Uh, some of these other laws have been on books for a long time, but really didn't have the teeth 
to it's it's quite frankly i think the the bad actors were able to and some folks just not even intentionally doing this uh it's just really easy for bad actors to go out violate break these laws right you know calling folks on the do not call list with the robo calls and the auto dialers and the text doing all of that stuff and it is so prolific that it's practically impossible for the governing bodies to really go after them. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of been this cat and mouse game and, and uh, the, the mouse has been quite a far ahead, but they've got some new, new laws with the trace act that I think is going to even up the game and everybody needs to be paying attention because it's going to change things pretty dramatically. Mm-hmm. And for listeners, what he's saying is traced T R A C E D. And it stands for telephone, robocall, abuse, criminal enforcement, and deterrent because you know, we will we will wrap ourselves completely around the axle to make a good acronym. So if you want to <laughs> if you want to look up if you want to look it up, uh, it's on FCC.gov and it's T R A C E D Act. And we're going to talk about that and everything else that uh, you know you might be doing wrong and you don't want to be. You just don't know yet. Uh, we'll also take listener calls at 877-772-9658. Again, 877-772-9658. Or you can send an email. The address is askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today, Damon Remy, founder and CEO of REI Blackbook. And we're talking about the use of phones, robocalls, um, of ringless voicemails, texts in terms of the legality of doing that. It's been a huge, uh, I would say over the last five years in particular, there's been a lot of talk on the education side of the real estate business about, oh, forget everything you knew before this, forget direct mail, forget Google, forget Facebook, forget all of these different ways that we've been teaching you to generate leads and just start calling people and we'll even make it easy for you by robocalling them. You won't even have to talk to a real life human being. It'll be awesome. And that has gained a lot of traction for good or bad in the real estate investor community. And um, what has not accompanied that is a bunch of education about what you are and are, in fact, not allowed to do. And uh, Damon, so you, you work with probably thousands of real estate investors through, through your, con- through your company. Are you finding that most of them, when you tell them this stuff, are like, uh, I had no idea? Yeah, without a doubt. I think, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Um, I think it's just a prolific amount of information uh, that's not correct, is already in the domain. And, and I, I get it and I understand it. Everything you just said, it's like, man, that sounds great. Why would I spend my time on direct mail or Facebook or all these other things if I could just send, send a text message to somebody – somebody that with a 98% open rate, 90% of those folks are opening it within the first three minutes, 45% average response rate. You know, texting is the highest engagement platform on the planet. So it absolutely makes sense that marketers would want to use that platform. Unfortunately, I think that the, the challenge is that, you know, five years ago, whenever these educators were putting that message out there, it's really tough for these regulatory bodies to keep up and and now all of a sudden in 2020 they passed the, that new traced act, which obviously the traced is the, the acronym is important. Traced is very important because they're going to be able to trace you better. 
there's also another key word in that, and it's telephone robocall abuse criminal enforcement, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of new stuff that's actually that, – that folks need to be paying attention to because if you're not – you know, the bottom line before, I think, that, I think the excuse has always been, well, you know what? Everybody's doing it, and it's going to be really difficult to get caught. So I'm going to go ahead and do it because the risk far outweighs – or I'm sorry, the reward – far outweighs the risk. So I'm going to go ahead and do this because nobody's going to catch me anyways. And that's about to change. And I think it's going to, and if, and if folks aren't paying attention to it, they're really going to get caught. And in fact, I'm already starting to see, you know, the repercussions of that with, with folks paying some pretty big financial penalties. Um, even, even today, like even the last 30 days, I could name multiple investors that are paying big, big fines. Mm-hmm. So Mm-hmm. And this the, the the whole concept here of the government regulating calls is not new. As you mentioned, the original TCPA Act was uh, back in ninety one, and that was when cell phones were first becoming something that was in everybody's pocket. Pocket. Mine was in a bag, <laughs> as I recall, in nineteen ninety one, and it was bigger than my phone at home. But it, it was getting to the point where lots of people had cell phones and marketers of course immediately started use, you know calling your cell phone instead of your home phone and in response i'm sure to some consumer complaints they put some things in place that said okay there's going to be a do not call list and if you call somebody on the do not call list there's going to be penalties but this trace act is man they no longer have to give you any warning like no it's 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 pretty crazy what they did, right? And, and everything you just said, right? 1991, they came in and passed the original TCPA Act, right? That prohibited unsolicited automated calls. And you couldn't call before 8 a.m. or after 9 p.m. That's national. States have their own individual. And But they, they put out – it's $1,500 per violation, which is really interesting. That's each call. Mm-hmm. So if I call you three times, I'm up to 4500 bucks if I'm in violation. Mm-hmm. But – that didn't deter marketers because it was like, well, I'm just going to call uh, anyways. They, they can't track me down. So that's when they said, hey, fine, you know, we're going to go ahead and do this do not call registry and remove folks. That was 2003. Still didn't do anything. But the, the, the Trace Act, there's really five things that it does that are super, super important. First of all, they increased the statute of limitations. So the original TCPA had, had you know, I think you only had a year to two years to actually um, be caught, basically. So bad acts today, if I get away with it in 12 months, hey, I'm good. Well, they've increased the statute of limitations up to four years. They've increased the financial penalties up to $10,000 per violation. Uh, They've indemnified carriers. So uh, the carriers, you know, AT&T, Verizon, Sprint, all of those folks, they've indemnified them and basically said, hey, look, if you guys think that there's a bad actor on your network, you can just block their text messages and you don't you don't have to tell them that you're blocking their text messages by the way Hmm. so you so they indemnified the carriers they're making it easier for consumers to report the bad actors but really here is the big one the the big one is they're forcing uh, businesses to register and they really put this onus on all the carriers so verizon at&t right Uh, t-mobile all of those types of companies right the carriers they're responsible for ensuring that if I'm sending text messages on their network, then I have to register. 
and everything, every number that I have associated with my business, I have to register, and they're doing now what they call a trust score. So almost like a credit score. So it, my business basically, based upon their criteria, they're going to go out and pull out all, pull all kinds of information on your business, basically give you a trust score, a.k.a. reputation score. Uh, it's also going to take into account your industry and the campaign type. So a campaign type might be, hey, look, I'm a school and I'm sending alerts out for the kids, or I'm a doctor, and I'm sending appointment notifications. Okay, well, those are probably going to have a higher throughput, higher trust score, and those are going to go through probably really, really with limited filtering. But if I register as a, as a business owner, I also have to submit sample text messages that I'm sending, which you know I could already see investors like, oh, well, that's okay. I'm going to send you know example text messages that look like this. But pay attention, look. This is going to be like a credit score. They're going to see, are you paying your bills, right? It's really easy for, for the credit score companies to go in and say, did you make the payment to Visa? And just like if you start sending unsolicited text messages to, uh, to the do not call list and or violations of the campaigns that you didn't tell them you were going to send, that is going to penalize you, and it will actually reduce your throughput and, and, and limit the number of messages you can send, period. And it's going to cost you more, right? So with this registration and tracking, basically what they're doing is they're, they're going to come in and say, hey, look, we're going to make it much easier to find you. So we're going to make it much easier to find these bad actors, right? We're going to force AT&T, all the carriers, like, hey, look, you can't let this traffic on your network unless you know exactly where it's coming from, where it's originating from. So we're going to make it easier to find you. I've got more time to come after you. It's going to cost you more. And we're going to make it easier for consumers to report you. So I think the writing is on the wall of, of you know, really what, you know, the government wants, right? And quite frankly, I think it's what most consumers want as well. Like, I, I, you know, I can't speak for everybody out there, but I know I'm personally tired and annoyed of the constant calls and text messages and for just all kinds of stuff. And it's not just folks trying to buy houses, right? It's it's the car warranties. It's the solar panels. It's, I mean, health you insurance. Name it. So this is really going to apply to all businesses. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's let's do some definitions here before we yep. sca- before we scare everybody into thinking they can't call a seller at all or text a seller at all. Cold call doesn't mean that somebody responded to a postcard and you called them back. It means you bought a list and you've had no prior permission from the business contact or permission from the uh, owner of the phone number to call them. So that's one piece. Now let's talk about robocall. What does that mean? Yeah, so this is actually really interesting because you mentioned the Supreme Court on the other side. Well, Supreme Court actually just came out on uh, April 1st. So literally April Fool's Day of this year, and everybody's like, this has got to be a joke. But nope. They actually ruled on defining what an automated dialing system was, an ATDS. So that was been – we've had a lot of conflicting – the courts couldn't even agree on this. So a lot of different cases went to court. Ultimately, that's really how we kind of determine the interpretation anyways, right? Somebody's going to sue somebody. You're going to go put it in front of a judge, and you see it enough times. You're like, okay, this becomes case law. This is how we interpret the law. But unfortunately, with, with what is defined as an auto dialer, there was just a lot of conflicting uh, case law out there. 
that so much so that it went to the Supreme Court. They just ruled this year, which on the surface level, this is a good this is good news for marketers. Okay, they basically came out and said, look, an ATDS, an automated telephone dialing system, must must be able to generate um, either sequential or random numbers. And that goes back all the way to 1991 in the in the original TCPA Act, where what had really just hit the market, and the reason these these automated calls like shot through the roof, is because you know you got you got smart tech folks, and they came out and created these machines that would literally just say, "Hey, I want to dial everybody in this area code," and it would either dial all of the numbers randomly or sequentially. Mm-hmm. And so that is technically considered an auto dialer and ATDS. So the Supreme Court actually ruled on that. So that's actually really good news for marketers because that means, you know, software platforms, right? Um, they are not necessarily considered an ATDS, an, an automated telephone dialing system. Mm-hmm. So there are different rules. If you're using an automated telephone dialing system, there is a different set of rules. But the Supreme Court with that ruling basically said, hey, look, 99% of folks are not using that automated telephone dialing system. Okay. So that was good news for marketers, but there's some other stuff there that they got to pay attention to. Now, technically speaking, if I go out and buy a list of phone numbers, I can cold call them so long as I do a couple of things, all right? And these are these are pretty simple things. First of all, if you go to do not call.gov, you must register and get a SANS number. It's a subscriber account number. S-A-N-S is the uh, number that they will assign you. And then you'll be able to download up to five area codes. And those are all the folks in that area, in those five area codes that have registered for the do not call list. And so long as you scrub your list and you, you say, okay, here's the, here's the list that I went and bought. And now I'm going to look at that list. I'm going to remove anybody that is on that do not call registry. And I am not going to call them. Technically, you can still do it. Now, if you read the, the letter of the law, they can you, you can still be you can you can still get in trouble uh, to be candid, but you're going to be better protected if at least you register, register and scrub the do not call list. You can make those calls, but the downside of that, Vina, there's like 250 million people <laughs> that's registered for the do not call list. <laughs> so so after you go buy that list and after you scrub it, I don't know what's going to be left anyway, right? So. <laughs> So not everybody out there is a motivated seller for a real estate investor specifically, right? Mm-hmm. But not everybody is a motivated seller anyways. And now I've basically just eliminated, you know, the majority of the U.S. population. So give us that uh, website again. Uh, it is do not call dot gov, G-O-V, do not call dot gov. Okay. So, so that's step one, cold callers, do not call dot gov, go register uh, download the area codes where you bought that list and take everybody off who's on that list. And you can then call the other people. Uh, we're going to go through some of the other scenarios and answer listener questions when we come back. If you have a question, you can call us at 877-772-9658. Or you can send an email to askvina at gmail.com. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking today to Damon Remy from REI Black Book about sorting through the information, what what you can get in terms of information out there about the um, various, you know, the TCPA and 
I know they've they've got there's the Trace Act, and then within the Trace Act, they've got this thing about scamming phone numbers. That there's yet another cute, super complicated acronym for uh, stir slash shaken. The secure yeah, telephone yeah. identity revisited and signature based handling of asserted information using tokens. <laughs> But that's geek speak for how am I going to track you? That's really all that is. So. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've, I tried to read up on all of these as they come out. But if you if you actually try to go to the FCC site and really read into them, well, it's good. Like if you need to go to sleep, it's really good technical <laughs> yeah. reading. Um, we just wanted a straight up a straight up opinion from somebody who has looked at it from the perspective of real estate investors, which is why Damon is here with us today. So if I buy a list of whatever uh, absentee owners, whatever the phone number is, and I just pick up the phone and start calling that list bad because I haven't done the thing that you just said to do, which was go to do not call dot gov and put in some information and download a list of who on that list said they did not want to be called. There's penalties for calling people who have said they do not want to be called. So scenario B, which I hear a lot of people bragging about is they have these auto dialing systems that will do, they'll, they'll make, basically they make five phone calls at a time Yeah, and, and, they alert you if somebody actually picks up because if if you've ever cold called it like you know one out of 20 or 30 people pick up a phone when they don't recognize the number so same scenario i buy a list i load it into my auto dialer and i start boom auto dialing everybody can i do that so same same rules are always going to apply the first thing you have to do is you got to make sure you start scrubbing that list okay so if you're going to buy a list you got to scrub it period okay um, now, interestingly enough, the Supreme Court, this is really what they ruled on on April 1st. They basically said, hey, all those phone systems that you just described, those dialers, those are not technically considered an ATDS, an automated telephone dialing system. Even though surface level, it's like that is what they do. It is technically does not fit the legal definition. Okay, So you can still do it. However, here is the caveat. Here is the caveat. If if you use any sort of pre-recorded voice, um, then now all of a sudden that falls into a whole other category. So they've got a special rules specifically about any pre-recorded voice. And if you're sending any pre-recorded voice, you must have prior express written consent. And yes, the proactive question, the next question is always going to be, well, does that include ringless voicemail? And the answer to that is yes. So you have to have prior express written consent. If you want to sing, send a, a, a ringless voicemail, for sure. But if you're using that auto dialer, right, there's there's tons of uh, dialers out there, tools that will help you automatically dial, increase efficiency, connection rates, everything else. A lot of times, though, if they dial four people at a time, let's say they connect to, to you and me, Vina, right? Mm-hmm. They, obviously, they can only talk to one of us. And so they, they'll play a pre-recorded voice message that says, sorry, wrong number. Well, guess what? That is now a violation, and uh, it's typically in $1,500 per violation, but it can go up as high as $10,000 per violation, and that's per call, not per person, not per 
oh, I cold called in, in, in 2021 one time. You know, no, it's per violation. So you, you could do that umpteen times unknowingly if you use some of those those dialers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other option, and this is the one that I seem to get a lot, is if you pick up and somebody else picked up, it hangs up on you. The no, yes. you don't get you don't get the pre-recorded message. Is it okay if it hangs up on you? It it, it well, um, I think there's a the, the legal definition of okay is yes. <laughs> the, the business owner in me and the marketer in me says no, right? But but the legal definition, yeah, they can they can call and hang up. Just don't play the pre-recorded message. So they basically the the Supreme Court ruled, and that's why you, you will see an increase in uptick in these calls is. On April 1, they basically said, hey, look, those dialers is just like you calling from your cell phone, basically. Mm -hmm. So as long as you scrub the list, right, scrub the list, you registered on the do not call, then you should you should be good so long as you don't send that pre-recorded voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we're going to get to the idea of, of, of whether any of this is a good idea. At the end, okay. okay. We just we we know people are doing yeah. it, and we haven't we haven't addressed. Is it a great idea for your business? And we will get to that. Um, okay. So next scenario: a really good way to sell things to real estate investors is tell them they don't have to do anything, and that that that's you know in in every you know like my my best known education area is wholesaling. And when I say to people, okay, here's what you do, but you got to do the work. And somebody else says to people, oh, no, no, you don't have to do any work. I have it all set up for you. You can buy and sell houses while you sleep. I, I'm going to lose out to that guy <laughs> most of the time, right? This, right. The, the thing that has happened in this field uh, over the last few years is people say you don't even have to have you don't even have to cold call yourself. You don't even have to have your own auto dialer. Our our service will do that for you. Our VAs will cold call for you. We will send out the the ringless voicemails, the text blast. Does it make any difference to my liability personally if someone else is actually physically? I've hired someone else to actually physically do it. Yeah, so you're still gonna your business is still going to be liable if if that uh, VA and or third party telemarketing company is calling on your behalf. All right, if they're calling on the on your company's behalf, then you absolutely are going to be liable. Uh, the trick here though is you both have to be registered for the SANS numbers, and you both have to still you're still both responsible for scrubbing the do not call list. So the telemarketing company in this example. They should register for that do not call.gov. They should be doing their own scrubbing. And then you should also be registered and also scrubbing the list, especially if you're providing the list to the telemarketing company. But, but no matter, uh, you are going to be, you are going to be liable for that for sure. Mm -hmm. So, so not only am I still on the hook, they've now got two people on the hook. It's yeah, me, it's me, I mean, <laughs> me yeah. and the other company. This is, yeah. This isn't the first time you've probably seen, seen some government regulations where they want to try to get as many people into that net as they possibly can, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay, so let's let's now define text blasts because there's there's a there's a practical difference between Damon, you called me cuz I sent you a postcard and I couldn't pick up the phone, so I texted you and said, "Hey, I'll call you back in a minute." and buying a list and just mass texting it, okay? So, let's talk about the text blasts. I bought a list. It's, yep. 
Can I text blast it? Going to be very similar. Did you? Are you registered? Did you scrub the list? Right? Are you registered? Did you scrub the list? Now, there is, admittedly, there is some conflicting case law on this right now, and it and it it does it it goes both ways, right? So some are saying, hey, look, the text messaging is similar to the pre-recorded voice message, so therefore, you must have prior express written consent. And then there's other case law. There's literally, you know, cases out there that go the other way and say. No, it basically is the same thing as a, as a call. So that, that at the end of the day, I do believe is probably going to be another decision for the Supreme Court that's probably going to have to rule on because there's so much back and forth on this. But to be safe, right, to be safe, to, if you're going to err on ca- the side of caution, then texting uh, would require prior express written consent, right? Um, and there's a few ways that you can get prior express written consent for both your ringless voicemails as well as your text messaging. It, it can be in your marketing and advertising, right? So um, I, I always tell people, pay attention when you're out and about, right? If you're at a restaurant, you'll see, hey, text this code or text this keyword to this phone number, and we're going to give you a, a 20% coupon off. Mm-hmm. Well, if you look at the fine print on that, it basically will tell you all of all the things that, that they want uh, you to disclose on your marketing and advertising, which is, hey, look, we're basically going to use an automated you know, system. They want to, they want you to tell them how many text messages they're going to receive. Uh, you cannot make anything a requirement. So in other words, uh, Hey, you have to purchase something in order to be entered into this, you know, drawing and, or get this coupon. So there's a lot of things like that. So I think that the, the safe answer is you need prior express written consent. The best ways to do that. There's really three ways to do that. One is have them text in a keyword, right? Mm-hmm. So text in a keyword, and then basically that then text them back, says, hey, look, you're opting in. Here's kind of how what to expect. Here's how many messages. Here's how frequently we're going to contact you. And, oh, yeah, by the way, here's my company name, right? Mm-hmm. So that's really important. So that's the first way is just text, uh, text opt-in via keyword. The next would be your website, right? So again, so long as you make, make it clear and conspicuous that they are opting in their phone number, right? So we like to have a little separate checkbox that says, yes. I understand that you can use you will use my phone number for text messaging. I can expect this many messages per month. All of that legal language needs to be there on the on the web page. Uh, and then the third way to get that prior express written consent is the good old fashioned way. Uh, in fact, you'll see this if you go to a closing table. You know, my mortgage broker he's got a separate disclosure now that says, "Hey, uh, can I send you text messages for rate updates or anything like that?" So the good old fashioned physical piece of paper. So those are the three ways you'll get. Uh, prior express written consent. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we've covered the cold calls, the texts, the ringless voicemails, which texts and voicemails you're saying fall into kind of the same category of somebody have, have better have raised their hand and said, yeah, you can do that. What about people that I have had contact with? So there's been a business contact of some sort let's assume that it it was you know i talked to you on the phone damon you see you had a house for sale we had a nice conversation you didn't like my offer now i've got 15 of you that i would like to send a ringless voicemail to just to say hey just following up seeing how things are going yay or nay um it depends right (laughs) damn it why do you keep saying it depends well you know because that's the best answer (laughs) right the law i tell you I'd get really clear on this, but um, there's a, there's a couple of ways that they they look at this, right? So part of it is 
if they're if if that person has provided their phone number to you in as it relates to a transaction and you are texting and or calling uh, for non-marketing purposes. So basically by providing your cell phone number in connection to a transaction, that generally co- constitutes prior express consent to be contacted at that number with information related to the transaction. So what does that mean? If I call my doctor and I say, hey, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll be there at you know, Wednesday at 10 a.m. and oh yeah, here's my cell phone, then that basically is giving them consent to text me appointment reminders because it's non-marketing. Uh, but if it's if it's marketing related, then there are some and there's no hard or fast rules on this. Again, I think this is the toughest part because you kind of got to go into case law and really start understanding this. But bottom line is this: if you haven't made any contact with somebody in six months and you just randomly all of a sudden start sending them a text message, then yeah, you you definitely could could be could be liable, right? Mm-hmm. The the key here is unsolicited, right? So these these laws all basically say, hey, look. You know, we, we do not want you sending unsolicited messaging. So that's the key word. Um, but it does not mean that they still can't sue you, that they still can't. You know, so now all of a sudden it could – we have seen cases where it's all of a sudden, hey, you know what, they, they sent you – they called you off of your marketing. But then 12 months later you call them. You haven't had any contact in those 12 months. All of a sudden you decide to call them again. Now, at that point in time, the, the, the consumer is like, hey, look, you know, I – I'm not interested, and I removed my consent. So yeah, you know what? Now I'm going to take you to court. And now all of a sudden, we're we're left with uh, with really lawyers and judges to to interpret that. Mm-hmm. So that confusion, I think, ultimately leads to to uh, to litigation. Which for me, I'd just rather stay away from. Well, I like so. to pass on that. All right, so we need to take one more quick break. We're going to answer some questions that have come in when we uh, get back. If you happen to have a last-minute question, best way to get it here at this point is askvina at gmail.com. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing, talking to Damon Remy from REI Black Book. Are you guys going to be at the at the big national real estate summit this year, Damon? We are. We're excited. We it's definitely on our counters every year. I think I've been over there probably the last eight, maybe nine years now. Yeah, so, I don't. Yeah, I don't. We love it over there. I don't think you guys have missed a year, but it occurred to me that I hadn't talked to you about it this year, and we're coming up on the time here at the station where we um, offer that up as a premium and a fun drive. So I want to keep it atop of people's minds that it's November fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and they should mark that off their calendar, even if they do not know what it is. Because when you find out, you're going to be really upset if you can't come. Uh, so a question here from Paul in North Canton. He says, I own multiple business businesses, one of which is obviously real estate. When I see a, perspe- a prospective commercial customer in traffic, I want to jot down their business name and number. So let's say he saw a, you know one of those car signs or something. I then want to send them a simple one-time text that is directed specifically at them by name to introduce ourselves. Is this inbounds or out of bounds? So uh, you're 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 going to be you're going to be fine in that situation. At the end of the day, that person put their number out there for commercial intent, commercial purposes, right? So all of a sudden, I see the plumber drive by in the in the plumbing truck, and if I call and or text that number that they put on the truck, that's going to be just fine. Um, so the, the big word here is unsolicited, right? So I think skip tracing is probably one of those super dangerous things right now um, because that's you're basically trying to find numbers that aren't 
public and aren't advertised of, of private individuals, right? I think that's going to be the biggest thing there. You, you kind of want to, the, the litmus test is like, what's the intent of this phone number being published? If I'm trying to sell my house as a for sale by owner and I publish my phone number, right, as part of the ad, then I'm probably going to be in the clear. Now, if I take that same person and I go skip trace them and find their five other phone numbers, <laughs> uh, probably just cross the line. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that leads right into Harry's question. Harry's from Cincinnati. He says, so imagine I'm sitting in front of a house that's in need of major repairs, and it's clear that no one's living there probably for a while. I do a quick skip trace to get their phone number, and you're telling me I shouldn't call them? I am I am telling you, uh, le- legally, you could definitely be liable. In fact, I've got a gentleman right now. Um, he just settled out of court for that exact scenario, one phone call, one phone call, and uh, he's now on a two-year payment plan settling out of court for 7500 bucks for one phone call. So – the, it, it, now, in that exact same scenario, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and, and people are like, "Wow, that seems like a lot of work." Well, that's part of what they're trying to do is to deter this type of type of activity. Is that the, the answer is you should be registered on the do not call list, and you should see is that number on the do not call list. And if it's not on the do not call list, then you could make the call. However, you have to you're gonna have the burden of proof is gonna be on you that you update your. Do not call procedures. You're tracking everybody internally. So you have to have a, a system in place that if they ask to be removed, right? So mm-hmm. if you call them and say, hey, please remove me, then you've got to show the court, hey, I look, I track this. Here's the list of folks that have, have asked opted out of my calling. Here's the national do not call list. So there is a lot of moving parts to it. If you want to do it and be compliant, and I'm just telling you folks, straight up, people are starting to get you know, pinched for this, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So we've only got a couple of minutes left. Let's talk about, let's take, take, take it away from the legal discussion, which I think, uh, you know, if you guys who are listening took notes or maybe you listen to the podcast later and you take notes, you should know how to stay in compliance as we know it right now. We may be coming back in a year or saying different stuff because the law changes, but for right now, you should know what to do. And let's talk about from the marketing perspective. You know, again, you work with tens of thousands of real estate investors. What is your opinion on using these sort of things as marketing? So I, I get the appeal. I totally get the appeal, right? It's the highest engagement channel by far. So, so you know, on the surface level, it can be super effective. But I think the majority of folks that are actually out there doing it are actually violating the laws dating back to 1991, now especially with the new Trace Act, and it's going to be really easy for them to, to find you. So I think, I think it's super dangerous to be doing for, for, for marketing. I'm not saying it's going to go away. You can do it you, so long as you follow the rules. Um, but my personal take is just because you can do it doesn't mean it's the, even the most effective. Uh, for me, I just kind of like to think about, man, I hate – getting those text messages and cold calls. And really the last thing I want to do is associate my brand and my business with a negative first experience, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that that's kind of my rule of thumb is, yeah, it can be effective. But the other thing too, quite frankly, is it's less effective than it was even six months ago, even 12 months ago, right? It, it's less effective because it is super, super saturated. 
And it is low cost, right? Low cost and, and high engagement. So that's why folks are doing it. They're doing it wrong. Majority of folks are doing it wrong and things are changing. And I think that if you don't get ahead of that, then you're absolutely going to get left behind. And so now's the time to really get, you know, good old fashioned, the workhorse, the best workhorse in real estate investing today is still direct mail, right? Mm -hmm. It is good old fashioned direct mail. I mean, you and I both, you know, I've, I've known you for going back to the, the, uh, the state, state event that you were mentioning. I mean, almost 10 years now. And it's like all of the big, the big real estate investors that we know that we talk to that they're out, they've got their coaching programs and their training programs. And they might be out there talking about how they love text messaging and everything else, but they also have a very large, stable, direct mail portion of their business. TV ads is still effective. Radio is still effective. Um, online ads with Facebook and Google and pay-per-click. Referral-based marketing, right? You know, my rule of thumb is like, hey, anything that can focus on creating a positive experience for the consumer in which they have the opportunity to self-identify for more information or opt out altogether. So, you know, basically, I just want to market like I want to be marketed to. So that's kind of my rule of thumb. That should be tattooed on people. That that last whole sentence you just said about, sure, it might be easy. You might be able to get pretty hands off with it. But what kind of what kind of experience is your customer having with you? And what are you saying about your business? When you do this, because I, I can't, I, I closed easily five deals. There's five that I could give you the names and addresses of last year where one of the conversations I had with the seller was, I don't know how these people are getting my phone number, but I am getting all of these voicemails and texts and it, it just, it's, it's driving me crazy. Well, so why did they call me? Cause they got a piece of mail and they could call on their own time. And they didn't call any of those other people. And, you know, when I say, yeah, that's why I don't do that is because I don't like doing it. They're like, yeah, 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 that's that's awesome. The real estate industry in particular is starting to get under fire for this. I mean, we've always we've always gotten these calls from, you know, change your phone company, change your utility company, get our health insurance. But I'm starting to see stuff in the media specifically about real estate investors and it's never, it's never, you know, they got a name off a list and called it. It's they called some poor old lady and tried to victimize her by buying her house. It's never the story that actually happened, but it's starting to get the attention of local and state regulators. And it's because it drives customers crazy. Yeah. It, 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 at some point, if we could just focus and think about that consumer experience, right? It's like, you know, it, to me, it's just that's marketing 101. Um, but somewhere along the way, we kind of lost track of that. And, and I get it. And I, I know I've had this argument, you know, until I'm blue in the face and people will tell me, well, it's, it, it's so inexpensive and it's so effective. And it's like, no, nah, it's only effective because you can send out 30,000 messages and only deal with the people that, that respond back in a positive way. And you can kind of, you know, just tick off the rest and not worry about them. But it's like, how much business are you leaving in those, those angry responses and replies and everything else that if you just gave them the opportunity to raise their hand, I think you create a better experience for them. Mm -hmm. And you loop that in with better tracking, better legalities, and it's just – it's riddled. It's a minefield ready to just blow up. And you never know when is that next phone call going to be that costs you $7,500. Yeah. 
Yep. You know, yep. I have another well-known investor. He actually, he's he's the one. He's one guy that I finally talked to. He, I had this conversation about two months ago. He said, "Hey, you know what? I finally said, you know what? I'm going to go all. I'm going to go the distance." And he actually went the distance, went to court, and it was over. It was over three text messages and one cold call. But this guy's like, you know what? I'm going to fight this. There's no way that a judge is going to rule against me in this. And uh, cost him 18 months. Fifteen thousand dollars in defense and legal fees, and then the judge ended up ruling against him for another eight thousand dollars. Wow! It's like, it's like, why would I want to wake up every day and start dialing? And it's like the reverse lottery. Exactly, <laughs> Damon. Like, we are we are unfortunately out of time, but I do appreciate. All of your great information here. Hope listeners re-listen to the show on the podcast at realliferealestate.com. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.